This is Work From Home, the podcast that helps you stay connected, productive, and sane while working remotely. I'm Harry, and today we're looking at the future of remote work. What is the working environment gonna look like in six months, in 12 months plus? And to get an insight into that, we are sitting down for a conversation with Christine Rowe, who wrote a really interesting article for the BBC about the future of work being hybrid. And so basically this this mixture of remote and office-based work. Um, She had some really interesting insights from the research and, and writing that she's done. And I started off by asking a really tough question, which is, what is the future of remote work? I think that there is going to be a lot more flexibility in the future. There's going to be a bit more of a pick and mix approach to careers for people who are in the advantageous position of being able to make those choices for themselves. So that flexibility could apply to where you work uh, in terms of whether you're in the office five days a week, at home five days a week, or something in between. That flexibility could also apply to when you work. So rather than seeing work as the mainstay of your schedule and that you reorient the rest of your time around it, there could be a different way of organizing your schedule so that work isn't the centerpiece that you have to direct everything else around. Do you feel like that's just a purely a result of COVID or do you think this is something that was kind of happening anyway? No. So the research that I've seen suggests that COVID has accelerated a trend that already existed towards more remote work, but obviously it's done it on a much faster timescale. Could you sort of define for us, do you think, what you mean by hybrid and what that kind of looks like in the, in the workplace? Well, different people use the term hybrid work in different ways, but most people settle on hybrid work as a combination of in-office work and at-home work. And it could also mean a combination of some people working in an office or a workplace location and other people working entirely from home. So it's just a combination of locations. Yeah, okay. And and But obviously that sort of time, so that the flexibility around time as well as place is is also a thing. Like, how do you think that practically works? Because I know a lot of people are really concerned. They might have, you know, micro micromanagers or they might have um, just kind of really stringent KPIs and so on. And and so there are certain employers that, that kind of, I mean, basically trust their employees more than others um, for better or worse, probably worse. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I wonder what, what, what are your, how, how do we adjust to that how do you know so flexibility is is a great thing and this obviously is a a trend and um i was certainly pushing for it in my last job before i so i I used to work in an office and then i I started this company four years ago and back then i was trying quite hard to sort of get some flexibility in my working hours that was quite hard to sort of achieve essentially because our bosses would you know wanted to be able to see us when they came into the office at nine and when they left at five they wanted to know that we were there too squirreling away doing our thing so I don't know, what does, what does trust look like in this sort of new remote hybrid environment? Well, I would argue that that previous model of the boss breathing down your neck wasn't necessarily a good way of instilling productivity either. And that also encouraged a culture of presenteeism rather than productivity or genuinely getting things done. Anita Williams-Woolley, who researches organizational management at Carnegie Mellon University, she talks about the shift from being process-oriented to being outcome oriented. So what matters more is the end result, not how you got there. So if you're not somebody who needs to sit in an office chair for eight hours on end, but you get the job done, that that's what's ultimately important. So I think that more managers to be effective in this new working model will shift the way they manage from focusing on processes to focusing on outputs. How do you think that cultural change is gonna happen? Do you think it's just, are they gonna be forced to adapt to this sort of way of life? 
To be honest, I think that it's already happening, this transition. So I spoke with somebody who works for a machine learning company with headquarters in South Korea, but also offices in the U.S. And he said that they're already changing how they recruit people to focus on people who excel at self-management and who maybe don't have as strong social skills as their recruits would have previously, but are exceptionally good at being independent and self-directed. So I think that there will be kind of a push from below to get more employees into workplaces who don't need close, close management. Yeah, interesting. You mentioned geography, you mentioned kind of um, different countries and things. Where where are we sort of progressing the fastest, do you think, ge- geography? You're obviously based in London. I'm here in the UK too. What's the rest of the world kind of looking like in terms of remote work at the moment and this transition? Ooh, that is a very tough question. I've seen a lot of it happening in Western Europe uh, and a lot of it happening in the US, but that's just... Those are the places uh, where there is a lot of research on this topic. So I'm less familiar with the context otherwise. And actually, we need a lot more information about other places. Yeah, interesting. Because in the article, you you mentioned a a stat about uh, China and how they're sort of moving towards a 60-40 split and so on. Yeah, but I mean, in China, your location depends also on where you have permission to live. And so there's a lot less labor mobility in some ways than there is in a place like the UK, where you can just freely up sticks and go. So yeah, the legal ramifications are things that I think a lot of companies aren't necessarily thinking through at this stage as carefully as they'll have to eventually, especially if their employees are going to be moving across international borders. What do you think is going to happen to large office spaces? You know, we, we kind of are used to Again, in bank, we've got kind of, you know, these huge office spaces. We've, we've got companies like, was it, I, th- I think I read Barclays have sort of said that they're going to be, you know, moving to a, a much more kind of hybrid situation. So some of these kind of very big traditional companies that you would never have thought would have adapted to such such a new environment, especially this quickly, and who are sort of, you know, controlling a huge amount, huge swathes of sort of office space. Like, how do you feel about commercial real estate in the future? What's going to, are we just sort of going to be in ghost towns or, or um, yeah, I don't know what people are saying to you that you're speaking to. That's an excellent question. So a lot of companies are downsizing, not necessarily getting rid of their offices altogether, but definitely reducing their square footage, which I think makes sense. An economist at Stanford who's done a lot of research on this suggests that companies that have offices in large skyscrapers or buildings that focus a lot on density would be advised to think towards other models. So maybe going to a spread out kind of office park rather than a big skyscraper. He's also said, and I've not seen this anywhere else, but he's suggested that landlords should actually think about how they incentivize their tenants to use the space. So for instance, he's proposed that elevators, that lifts should be charged for rush hour usage. So to discourage people from overly crowding into lifts during uh, peak hours and thus increasing social distancing possibilities, which I think is an interesting possibility. Wow. So it's like like an Uber style kind of, uh, you know, peak demand kind of situation. That's really funny. Exactly. Yes. Maybe we'll all get a lot more fit as we take the stairs more. Yeah, absolutely. I hope so. I mean, um, to be honest, I, you know, I think everyone... I mean, I don't know. Maybe there are some people that love working in a high rise building, but I imagine it can only be a good thing for our sort of mental health and just the enjoyment of the space that we work in to be in, you know, one of these parks that you describe versus like, a you know, on the the 93rd floor of some enormous building. 
I don't know. I think that depends on personality. I would prefer to be on the 93rd floor, I think, than in a suburban car park. But that's just me. Okay. Yeah, interesting. What, so why is that? Can I ask? What, what is it you prefer about that? I'm a big proponent of density. I mean, there are lots of environmental and social benefits to crowding people together in a small space, although obviously that's not so feasible during COVID. And I also personally just hate driving. So I like environments where I don't need a car. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. So thanks again to Christine. Super interesting conversation. You can find more information about her and the work she's doing at christinero.com. That's christinero.com. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could share it with at least one other person that you think is also interested in the future of remote work. As ever, you can find more information at wfhpodcast.com. We'll be back very soon. Thanks very much for listening.